0: This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is June 4th, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh,
1: My name is Scott Miller, and I was at Hofstra Radio uh, WRHU from 2004 to 2008.
0: Okay. And what shows and programs did you work on at the station?
1: I worked on a little bit of everything. Uh, I did mostly, I guess i say mostly sports. So I did, you know, the locker room. Uh, I did a lot of sports broadcasts, so I did the football team, basketball, baseball, you know, softball, all that stuff. Um, and then I did some music as well. I did uh, what was called Alternative Nation. I did, uh, what else, a little rock and roll oasis. And then also even just, um, you know, by being in sports, you would end up doing Newsline or Hoxha's Morning Wake-Up Call. Uh, I engineered for Nino and Rosa on the Italian show, so... Really a little bit of everything,
0: yeah, definitely a little bit of everything. um did you have any titles or positions of management at the station?
1: Uh, yeah, I was the uh the program director, my junior year, I guess it must have been so two thousand like two thousand seven
0: okay, any other positions?
1: uh no, not really, just well, I guess I mean you know doing the the football games they had football at the time, so I was you know one of the the football announcers um. But no, like executive, no other executive board or, or anything like that. Okay,
0: when you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames?
1: Uh, yeah, when I was on the air, I just went by my own name. I feel like for for sports, especially, it's like your name becomes so synonymous with things. Mm-hmm. So you just you always want like I remember even just doing broadcasts. You always kind of want to say your name or your your broadcast partner's name because if if any you know if someone's listening and they hear you like oh Scott you know he's he's good or, you know, hopefully not, you know, he's bad, but you kinda you want, you want people to kind of associate you and, and get to know you.
0: Yeah. You become your own brand, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, and even if that brand is just someone recognizes the voice, then they start recognizing the name and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is someone, you know, I like listening to. Okay.
0: Um, so this is a two part question and answer whatever makes sense to you. Uh, But what first brought you to the radio station, and then if you could describe it for those of us who weren't there at the same time, what was it like? Do you remember people that you met or what it looked like or what it smelled like? What was going on at the station?
1: Um, So how I got there, I don't remember exactly the order of when I really heard about Hofstra or when I really decided to go. But I do remember, my, my first real memory was my, I want to say junior year of high school. I really had no plans for the summer. You know, I had I had done you know going to camp. I worked some part time jobs over the summer, but one summer I just kind of didn't really have anything planned. And my parents were like, "Well, you can't stay home all summer. You you really got to do something." Mm-hmm. And I saw in like a local newspaper, um, there was a like a broadcasting camp. Uh, Ed in- oh, not Ed Ingles, oh, he's on my mind already. Um, Bruce Beck and Iron Eagle doing you know they're you know local new york sports guys mm-hmm. and they were doing a broadcasting camp where they take you to a giant stadium and you got to see you know behind the scenes where the broadcasters work. you got to see all this cool stuff uh you got to go with the new jersey jackals played baseball um and i saw that and i was i was always kind of interested in broadcasting so i just it was a one-week thing and my parents were well, you got to do something so i went um and one of the people who happened to be working with Bruce and I was Jared Greenberg. He was, I don't know if it was an internship, or he had just, you know, worked with them in some capacity and gone to the camp before. So I met him there. And obviously, he at the time was at Hofstra doing sports play by play. And I, I guess he must have just mentioned, you know, Hofstra to me, because that's something I was interested in. And, you know, a, a year from then, I would be going to college. So, you know, he, he mentioned it, and I thought it sounded cool. So it just ended up being one of the you know, one of the schools that I checked out.
0: Hmm. Before you go on to talk about getting started at, at Hofstra, could you talk a little bit more about that, about that camp? What did they teach you? What did you have any expectations of what it would be like?
1: Uh, no. I mean, at the time I, I'd never heard of anything like that. It wasn't really super popular until, you know, uh, Hofstra has a, a similar broadcasting camp to that, which, you know, Keith Irizarry, Vinny McCucci Kevin Dexter, a couple other people that were either alumni or, went to school with me, um, around the same time, also had a similar camp, but so there we went to like a New Jersey Jackals baseball game and we would, you know, we'd call the game into a, you know, a tape recorder and we'd give it to to Bruce and I, and then they'd listen to it after and kind of give you feedback. Or they took us to giant stadium and we went into the locker room and got to see, you know, the locker room for the football team or, um, they brought in some, you know, guests who were from the sports world, like uh, you know, Yogi Berra was there because it's uh, where the Jackals played was called Yogi Berra. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was Yogi Berra Stadium, but he, his Hall of Fame was there, so they brought him in, and I got to meet him. So it was just a bunch of cool sports stuff, and you know, I knew I loved sports, and I, I guess at the time, I kind of thought working in sports would be cool, whether it's broadcasting or print, whatever capacity it was. Um, so it was just something that I thought would be cool to go to. I didn't really have any, you know, thoughts about it until I was kind of there.
0: Sounds like a great experience. So, uh, this gives you the idea of applying to Hofstra and then what comes next?
1: Uh, so I get there and well, I guess it gives me the idea of applying to Hofstra. And then before I even get there, I I went on a tour there and I I think I just knew I wanted to go to a school that was, you know, kind of far enough away that it didn't feel like I was right where I was growing up, but I also wanted to, to feel like, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, a million miles away. So mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Penn state would be a cool program cause you get to see, you know, the big football stadium and everything, but it's far away. And then also if you're working in radio, it's not like you're the ones doing the football games, you know, in, right. in a way, you know, they're professionals doing it. So when I went and visited Hofstra and I found out about the radio station and it kind of, it fit the criteria I had for being about an hour and a half away from where I grew up in New Jersey. So it was, you know, close enough I could drive there and back, you know, if I wanted for a weekend, but it wasn't like something where I'd be going back all the time or I'd see the same people who I grew up with all the time. So it just kind of fit well with what I wanted.
0: Mm. Do you remember seeing the the station at Hofstra for the first time?
1: Uh, yeah, I actually, I don't remember who gave me the tour. I don't think it was a staff member at the time. But I remember walking into Studio North, I guess it must have been. uh, But it was on a weekend, so they had, they must have had, you know, the either Irish programming or Italian programming, something that I I wouldn't have really thought about being, you know, college radio programming. But they explained to me, you know, they have the sports department, they have this type of music, they have this, they have that. And everything looked really cool in the, um, you know, in the radio station. And like I said, it it was something I had always thought about doing. So seeing all the equipment and just seeing people doing the broadcasting. And I thought the radio station itself looked pretty cool at the time. So it just became something like, wow, yeah, I could see myself doing this. And I, I think seeing the radio station probably is what, you know, one of the main thing was that brought me to Hampshire. Hmm.
0: So you get on campus and I assume that there's something, uh, something like an interview and then a training class. But what, what happened there?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't remember exactly how it went. I mean, I know, Pretty quickly after I got on campus, I must have gone back to the radio station and got a form to sign up. And luckily enough, uh, I got, I guess, an interview into the training class. And I remember, speaking of Ed, I uh, was interviewed by Ed Ingalls. And at the time, I don't know if he was the program director or or what he would have been exactly at the time, but I remember it was Ed Ingalls and Nick Rafter interviewed Mm me. Um, And since I wanted to be in sports, Ed was a great person to have in the interview, because he was obviously overseeing all the, the sports department stuff and, and everything that the staff was doing. So maybe I got lucky in that regard, or maybe he saw that I wanted to be doing stuff in sports, and he made sure to get himself in on the interview. But So I, I interviewed with those two. Um, I guess it went well, and I remember I guess I must have got a call or something to uh, you know do the training class, um, which at the time I'm not sure if I realized I would be getting involved in a training class for like eight weeks every Wednesday mm-hmm. night. Um, I don't know if I remember that's what I was signing up for when I asked to join the radio station, but they, you know, they said that that's what the process was, and I was interested in doing it, so I did it.
0: It's uh, from the descriptions. It sounds like a pretty intensive training program. Did you get a sense of this is this is important? This is a
1: serious thing I'm doing here. Oh yeah, I mean. It was a good balance, I think, between there's a lot of seriousness to it, but also, you know, it's something there for you to um, enjoy and make out of what you put into it. You know, mm-hmm. everyone, of course, talks about, you know, the Bruce Avery, I like the sleep nights uh, mm-hmm. speech when you first get there uh, and he comes in and it feels really serious. Um, and I, I think... That was a, a real, you know, at the time you think, you know, what kind of a speech is this? But looking back on it, it really is a great introduction that, you know, Bruce gave to us. Um, and, and just as you get to know him more, as I got to know him more, it really, it made all the sense in the world <laughs> hearing the way um, he introduced us into the class. Uh, but then, like, like I said, he also says, you know, it is for it is something for fun. You need to get out of it. Whatever you put into it, you know, it's going to give back to you. But he would also, you know, make clear that it's going to be work and, not, you know, not just anyone can come here, do whatever they want and leave. You really have to, you know, put some effort into it. And, you know, it could be a lot of fun as well.
0: Mm. Uh, those are, like you said, valuable lessons and, and good information to have getting into the program. Do you remember anything about the, the training, about any of the skills that you learned uh, during that training class?
1: I think being able to speak into a microphone, honestly, like mm-hmm. you, you think it's just, Oh, you just have a conversation or you just turn on a microphone and you talk into it, but you don't realize how, how much more there is to it in terms of preparing for a broadcast or, um, you know, just learning who you're supposed to call if something goes wrong or, you know, even just how to turn on and off a radio station. Like, you you don't think about that. Like there's sometimes where the radio station gets powered down. This was before, uh, it was a 24 hour, uh, radio station or, Mm -hmm. or even if not, you know, just sometimes you have to turn on, you know, uh, you have to power it up. So learning about that, which is something, you know, in my wildest dreams, I never thought was a fan.
0: Hmm. So you go through the training program and, uh, I guess you get cleared to be on the air. Do you remember getting on the air the first time?
1: Uh, I don't know if I remember like the absolute first time, first time it probably would have been, you know, a news line or a morning show where I read some copy. But that didn't, but that specific incident didn't doesn't really stand out, whatever it was. But I remember my first sports broadcast. I remember being on air for the first time for that. I was uh, at Central Connecticut State for women's basketball, um, Hofstra against Central Connecticut State. <laughs> I remember uh, I was doing the game with Pete McCarthy, who, I guess probably would have been a senior at the time, and I was a sophomore, and we just had a huge issue for some reason getting to the arena. I don't remember what it was, if like the bus broke down or whatever it was, but I remember getting there late, and we're scrambling to set up the, you know, all the tech stuff, you know, all the, the computer, the phone lines, all that, and maybe there's 30 minutes before the game as we're setting up, and I have to run over to talk to the coach for the first time to do a pre-game interview. And, you know, this is the first time that I'm going to be on air for a a, a sports game. And so I kind of run over there. Pete introduced me to the coach. I'm supposed to ask, you know, four or five questions that I had written down before, um, you know, because it's it's my first game. So I'm just trying to get, you know, get through it. And I remember right after I got there, I had left the questions back at, you know, where the the board was that we were supposed to be running. Oh, no. (laughs) So... You know, but we've only got 30 minutes and I got to do this interview real quick. It's not like the coach is just waiting around for you. So I tried my best to remember what the questions were and record it and get the interview done before heading back. And I think I got most of them right. But the, uh, the interview was definitely shorter than they were expecting when I sent the, the interview back for them to, to run it in the pregame. So that was, that's the first on-air memory I definitely remember having.
0: Wow. The baptism of fire, I guess. Yeah. That yeah, was um, not,
1: not the most common when you're first uh, that's the first time you're really doing something on the air.
0: But but you got through it and that, that oh, yeah, is I the made important it through thing. Um, if I could ask a technical question, because sure. over the ages there are different means of transmitting and you mentioned phone lines and you meant mentioned sending the interview with the coach back to the studio. Are you operating on phone lines? Is this like where are we technologically? How are you getting information back and forth? Because uh, you know, it changes over time and I'm just curious, uh, if you remember what went into it.
1: Right. My guess is it was a phone line, not an ISDN line yet. Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty confident about that. And we would have emailed, no, we wouldn't have emailed yet. We we wouldn't have emailed the, the interview. It would have been on, uh, maybe not a tape recorder, but something basically like a tape recorder where you'd have to plug the the recorder back into the, um, the, the box you were using to send the audio
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you'd have to hit play and they'd record it back in the studio. So it would be in real time. So I, you know, I do a five minute interview and this was before I think you could really just, you know, email an MP3 file. You'd hook up the the tape recorder to the board, you would hit play and they'd record it back in the studio. So you really had to be on time with things because, you know, you had to do things in real time.
0: Wow. So okay. So the five minute interview, and then you run back across the court, plug in, tell the studio you're ready, and then you play it. And you need that buffer time. That's yeah. I can see that being nerve wracking, especially your yeah. first time out.
1: Oh yeah. And every once in a while, I think we'd end up playing it live, which isn't ideal because you know anything could happen. But I think sometimes that that would be the case. Oh wow. Okay. Well,
0: thank you for for going down that road with me. I'm I'm, I'm not a tech person myself, but I'm always oh, interested to see. <laughs> What the evolution of things is. I mean, I've, we've had stories of people using payphones phones and, and other uh, now archaic equipment. So, oh, yeah. Um, now
1: it's much easier. They just send it on an email to, or put it in like a Google Dropbox. Uh, much easier nowadays.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so when do you think you have got comfortable uh, being on the air, either in a sports program or on a music program? When do you feel like, okay, I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing. I feel comfortable. Uh,
1: I, I guess probably... Not long after my first couple of games, where I felt like I knew the sports that I was talking about, you know, when you when you when you have I won't say, you know, an expert knowledge because I, I wouldn't have been an expert, but when you have more of a knowledge about what you're talking about, you're going to be a little more confident in being on the air. So after having done some games where I felt like okay, I know these teams better, I know you know, who all the players are, um, I'm more familiar with them. Now all of a sudden you're really just, you know, having a conversation with someone and just talking. Or if you're reading something scripted, you've practiced it a couple times, and now you feel more comfortable. When you're first reading things, you don't you're just not as familiar with it. And when you're first doing games and you're not as familiar with the teams, you know, you, you don't have any sense of authority about what you're doing so it just it it comes off as either like forced or you're just nervous but once you have a you know a good idea about what you're talking about then you're just kind of talking and you know makes it a lot easier
0: it's almost like the phrase that came to mind was like a working knowledge
1: yeah yeah that's a good phrase for it where you don't feel like you don't have to think anymore you know you Mm -hmm. can just do the broadcast you don't have to think oh okay so You know, we're, we're going to a break between this song and that song. Do I have to play a sweeper? Do I have to do a mic break? What's, you know, what, what are the call letters again? What's this? What's that? You're just talking and you're not even thinking about it. And that's when, you know, you know, you've, you know, made it a lot easier on yourself. Mm. Was there any
0: moment or, or or a, a time or a game or a situation where you thought, okay, that's really good. Or someone gave you a compliment where you thought, okay, now, now I've kind of arrived.
1: Yeah, it's funny actually. It it was a really small thing, and but for some reason it, it always like kind of sticks out to me. Um I was doing updates, I don't remember if it was the locker room or what, you know, what I was doing updates for, but I always had the hardest time transitioning from one segment to another. So if I was talking about, you know, baseball on the air and now it was time to go to the basketball team, somehow I always fumbled trying to get from one thing to another the Mm -hmm. only way i could ever do it was just saying you know now from you know moving on from baseball talk we go to the basketball team and it's just like the simplest doesn't sound like anything thing um but somehow i would always struggle with making it sound smooth like a comedian on stage you know when they go from one bit to another you don't you don't hear them moving from one if they're good you don't Mm -hmm. hear them going from one thing to another they can just smoothly do it and i always had so much trouble with it but i remember doing an update. And it was Greg Rice who was hosting whatever show it was. And whatever he was talking about, somehow I was able to tie that into the update. So as opposed to him just saying, now we'll go to Scout for the update and me reading the update, and it just kind of sounds like you know, a forced transition thing. Whatever it was he said, I remember being able to tie into the update that I was reading. And after either he had said or you know, people had commented, like, oh, that was like a smooth transition. It felt good. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's right. And I just remember thinking, like, yeah, it should always kind of feel a, a little seamless. You know, it's not like you're going from the show to the update. They're all, they're all the same thing. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, one segment, another segment, another segment. It's all supposed to flow. And I just remember thinking that one time, like, wow, yeah, that, that flowed really well. And I don't know if I was always great after that, but it, it really kind of helped me think, like, oh, okay, I see what it is. That's supposed to be that transition that I'm doing poorly. I'm now seeing, you know, how I can make that a little smoother.
0: Hmm. Uh, I, I imagine if if I asked you to rank a list of memories of important things that happened at the station, that probably wouldn't be the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> but it sounds like it's really important that that little moment and it's stuck with you all these years. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that would that wouldn't be the top of of all your memories, I guess. But that's certainly just for some reason some small thing where. I think because it made me feel like, oh, I'm, I'm getting better at this. You know, you don't have that many moments in your life where you actually think like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I'm learning this thing, but I've, I've acquired this skill and I can see myself getting better. And I think maybe when I did that and people noticed it, I was like, okay, maybe this is, you know, maybe I'm getting better at this then. Hmm. So you had some
0: great guidance from a couple of wonderful leaders of the station, Ed Ingalls and Bruce Avery. Could you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about those guys?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they were both. Um, you know amazing mentors and just people to be around and they didn't you know such different ways um ed you know being involved so much in sports he was always someone you'd go to he would listen to your tapes he would talk to you about all these things and just being around him you just always felt good um you know hearing everything he had to say Uh, and just listening to the stories too because i mean i knew who ed was and i knew some of the things he had done but you don't hear it a ton. And then when he's just kind of randomly talking about it, you're like, oh, yeah, he's at the Super Bowl. He's covering this. He's covering that. And mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, yeah. Like, that's that's right. He was doing all these. And you, it's just not something you think about. It's not something he talked about all the time. And then Bruce was great to work with, I think, because – and I looking back more now, I think I appreciate it more because being in the sports department, you know, he was in charge of everything. You know, Ed mm-hmm. was dealing so much with sports and news. So you, I'd go to him for sports stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily go to Bruce for something with sports. However, being a program director at one time and just being involved with other parts of the station, not just sports, you know, you'd know you see how he was looking at things. And sometimes, I think before I was program director, I couldn't appreciate how he was looking at something differently than I was. But then being involved as the program director and just being around him more, I think I got a better sense of ah, oh, this is why he's doing this. or this is why he thinks that. And I think if you weren't really in that, you know, involved in seeing the process, sometimes you kind of didn't get why he was doing something. But usually there was a, a method to the madness in some way.
0: Mm. Yeah, and like you say, you you figure that out later on. You may not oh know yeah the mean, moment you,
1: fi- you figure it out more as you get older. But definitely, you know, I, th- I think I did appreciate it at the time, but certainly. Not as much even as as just you know, you look back on it now and you're like, Oh yeah, this is why he did this this, this all makes sense.
0: So he wasn't just being a pain, he was <laughs> no, doing it for no. a reason.
1: No, and, and even times when he might be, you know, being a pain, it was just because you were coming at things from, you know, a different angle. You know, you're a student, oh I wanna do this, I wanna do that, I wanna do all these things. And it's like, Well, you can't do everything. You know, sometimes sometimes you gotta listen to, you know, the the boss. And that just uh I mean, that translates to real life as well.
0: Yeah. Who were some other people who were around at the station that helped you get comfortable in your early days?
1: Uh, So, when I first got there, I guess the seniors were so Jared Greenberg was one of the seniors, Um, Josh Harmon, uh, Pete McCarthy, Greg Rice. They were like the upper classmen, I think, when I got there. Maybe Greg was a little younger. Um, And just being around them, Evan Willner was the locker room producer, being around those guys. Was um, you know they were really great at teaching you stuff. Um, I I think probably better than many other radio stations, where the the seniors actually, even though they're doing their own thing, watching them, um, watching how they do things, was a great way to learn. Uh, Justin Paley was a locker room producer. Brian Mapes, who was older than me, but I don't know, I don't even remember if he got into the station. Until after me, but he had so much knowledge about all the sports teams that I learned from him. So those were the guys who, when I first got there, were you know uh, just people I, I, you know I looked up to because they were doing something that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you feel socially comfortable at the station right away, or did it take some time? Uh, no, I think pretty quickly because you just you run into people who all have the same interests. As you, for the most part, like I love sports, I loved music, although I think I initially got there for the sports. So maybe it took a little longer to get comfortable doing the music thing um, and doing the news thing. Like, you know, you'd be involved with Newsline because you were in sports, but you weren't necessarily interested in the news. So you'd still talk with, you know, i talk with the news directors, uh, you know, Brian Ball, Lauren Maturo, just because, you know, you're around them all the time and you're doing sports, they're doing news, but you can appreciate, again, kind of what they're doing, even though it's in a different, you know, uh, topic than what you're doing. You're still around Mm -hmm. them and, you know, just a lot of fun being around them and and talking about, you know, stuff, some stuff you had in common, some stuff you didn't.
0: Hmm. There's, there's always a process and for some people it's a little slower some people it's a little bit faster but you find you're spending all of your free time at the station you're there oh, between yeah. classes you're there before class after class was that was that pretty quick for you you
1: think yeah i think so um i think that was kind of the best part uh, also i think i just had a lot of classes in dempster it was you know dempster hall mm-hmm. at the time and uh with my schedule I, so I don't know how some other people did it they like taking you know back-to-back classes you know classes from 8 to 10 and ten thirty to then 2 to 3, and they're done for the day. And I always felt I didn't really like that because the the class is just, by the end of the second class, I'm just like, okay, I'm fried. I don't want to go right to another class. I liked having breaks in between classes. So a lot of times I'd have a class, you know, 9.30 to 10.30, and then I wouldn't have a class until, you know, noon or 1. So I'd get some breakfast or something, and I'd be at the radio station. And that's when I'd, you know, hang out with all these people all the time. You know, it was someone had their slot or they were preparing for some show. And you just be hanging out with a, you a know, bunch of people that you get to know, and that that was I thought really easy and that, honestly, that was probably the best part of the radio station
0: yeah, I think for a lot of us, finding that 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 social niche, that place that accepts you and that you're looking forward to being, I think that's the, that's a really important part of the process.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure, because that's just something that keeps bringing you back, you know like if you're going there and you're, you're just doing you know, you're slot or you're just doing the music or sports, but you're not really in, you're not really compatible with some of the other people, you know, it makes it harder to be around. But when you're always around, I mean, you just kind of find yourself always doing things because you're just always there.
0: Mm. So obviously your time at WRHU meant a lot to you. And mm-hmm. um, obviously we're, we're talking about on multiple levels you're involved in, and it means a lot to you, but I'm asking you to go back to your mindset as at 18 years old as a freshman joining Hofstra university. And could you go back in your shoes and think, well, this is what I wanted out of Hofstra radio. What were your expectations at the time?
1: Uh, I don't think I necessarily had specific expectations i mean i knew i i had it i knew i wanted to do something in sports whether it was radio tv print but the radio station i thought just had so much more going on than the tv station at the time um so i don't know if i'd say like i had expectations of being on the radio but i knew i really liked it and i knew it was something that i could maybe see myself doing at the time and i just enjoyed doing it so much that it was just one of those things that you just found yourself around there all the time, because even if I think for a lot of people too, even if they didn't want to do it as their full-time job, it just becomes something you enjoy so much and you like the people so much, you just you just end up there.
0: Hmm. Well, Scott, this has been a lot of fun uh, talking to you, and i'm I'm really thankful that you were willing to share your stories and your memories. and I've got another set of questions, and maybe we can tell some more stories another time
1: great. thanks for thanks for the chat. It was a lot of fun.